The Thief. An original adventure which hinges on the roll of the dice. By Michael Schofield. Played by C.C. Way. A distant bell tolls across the city. And you open your eyes. Your ceiling is black. But in your peripheral vision, there is a soft gray light that carves through one window that you remember shuddering against an afternoon rain. And so you listen, and it seems the rain has stopped. Through the sleep in your eyes, you see a shadow on the wall that isn't your own, of a woman. You blink once, and twice. Your vision clears, and you find with a sigh of relief or regret that you are alone. You are in your modest but spacious studio. It had been the top floor of an old city watchtower on a spot called Lorem's Hill in Old Town. It is September. The late-in-the-day wind blowing in from the port has a chill to it. You can hear the rigging on it jangling a little, like wind chimes from the docks on the other side of the seawall. That is just three small blocks away. As you slowly come to, you hear a little chatter from the street below, accompanied by the smell of smoke. And in a very small voice at the edge of your hearing, you hear, Uh, uh, it's curfew. Um, I really appreciate Not another word. I can't think. It's the least out. Let's go inside. Good night. It is the year 12, I.R. What do you do? I sit up from my bed, look around to see if either any of the windows or doors seem like they've been moved since I went to sleep. Your one big window faces south. The shutters open inward, and they are still partially open. You are in a small bed in what is basically one large room. In the shadows, you find the outlines of a variety of plants and mismatched pots. Those pots are of varying quality. Some chipped, others works of art. On the far side of the room is a glint from an ornate silver mirror, recently well-polished. You look toward the ceiling in the corner of your room, under which is a short ladder that is lying on its side against the wall. Above, there is a small door that, with a sense of relief, you confirm is still shut and locked. That door leads up into an old lookout station that overlooks the city. In another corner is a regular door, 
and do see that your one, two, three padlocks are in place. That bell you heard when you awoke was a curfew bell. It rings just 30 minutes or so before sundown. The practice is recent. Curfew has only been instituted for just a few months. Do I remember why I may have gone to sleep in the middle of the day and woken up at curfew? You turn in early when you have intentions to go out. Curfew for most people has been an inconvenience, a constraint due in some way to a distant war. But for you, it's been good for business. It keeps crowds off the streets, which at night, which is very convenient for me. (laughs) Right. In that case, I would like to, since it stopped raining, maybe head up to the old guard tower space upstairs and just take a look and see what I can glean from what's going on in the city 30 minutes before curfew. You walk barefoot past this large trunk at the foot of your bed that is at least seven feet wide and has an excellent padlock. You walk past your mirror and the desk it's propped on top of, covered in a variety of trinkets in the dark. You pick up the ladder and position it so you can pull yourself up to the little trap door. And you find the trap door is locked. You don't carry keys for the things that matter because a key is something that can be lost. I need you to pick your own lock. Yes, as I do every time, perhaps, (laughs) I go up there. Well, I rolled great, so 23. The padlock clicks open, comes off in your hand, and the hinge swings down. You push the trapdoor up 90 degrees, and it flips down on the other side as you climb through. You are in the overlook of an old watchtower, two columns on either side of you, supporting a peaked roof that you know, having seen from other angles, is missing tiles. Once whitewashed, the watchtower is now faded and gray, sunken in one corner. To your west, the sun is a finger or two above the horizon. Orange, purple, a pink splatter across the ocean. The waves are calm, but the wind has a hidden strength to it. Lorem's Hill predates much of the city, built on high ground when long ago Ainthrode was just a fortress. So you look down across this wide squat alley that on either side, almost like walls erected there so tightly coupled, there are houses for two or three hundred yards until you reach a first intersection at the center of which is a single brazier, lit for the night. The shadows are beginning to come in low, and the alley is becoming quite dark. Backlit by their own candles, you begin to see movement from the windows of those very houses from your vantage. The road itself is empty. 
Looking to the other side, you see the newer parts of the city, defined by a quaint, decorative wall that used to be the boundaries of the old fortifications built around the hill before the city began to expand. You know on the other side there is a small river that separates you from the newer wards. The city is quiet. Another curfew bell. Dong. Um, and I feel like these days, something that I do almost a second nature is always track that area where a rug might be in the distance. You're looking to the northwest. Give me a perception check. Perception, uh, 14. Mm, it's hard to tell this close tonight. Your vantage aligns almost directly, so that several blocks away you can look down into another alley, a much narrower one than yours, where there are two windows that often have a clothesline strung between them. There are things on that clothesline, but they are cast in shadow. Mm, okay. Okay. I think I'm happy to climb back down. Okay. Uh, lock it back up. Okay. To be picked again another day. Um, and then get dressed to do a little uh, curfew breaking. You pick open the lock of your chest and you open the lid. It creaks open. It is so heavy. But inside with the little bit of light that's still coming in from your window, you find a little music box. You pop it open. It doesn't play anymore. But there is 450 silver. In the opposite corner is a pewter vial with a dark liquid in it, next to which a rug obscures the shape of what is a large crossbow. I'll leave the weaponry for last. Symphony wants to get into some like very simple all-black nightwear that, uh, except for the cloak, is not flowy at all. It's not like it's tight, but it, it makes it so that she doesn't accidentally like have her clothes get caught on something, right? Is there anything that I'm in the middle of scoping out currently, or is it a like a fresh night to find something to do? So you stand up, you dress yourself. Maybe you do something particularly cool, and you thumb a match that comes to light, and you light a candle. This candle is on a large work desk in front of a polished mirror. And there, under a large stone, two sheets of paper. The top is a letter, with only a couple sentences, and it reads, This wasn't easy to get. Perhaps you'll find something for me that makes this worth the trouble. D. Hey. And underneath that, dried and coffee-stained, an old charcoal blueprint probably written from memory of a house just on the edge of Old Town in an old market square that belongs to the slumlord named Bafford. Bafford has done well for himself over the years. He in fact owns one of the properties on Lorem's Hill. A month or so ago, one of the folk in your alley with whom you have a conversational relationship with named Roan and you know her to have a three or four year old daughter, began missing her rent payments. Haldwin and you had discussed that her husband, a legionnaire, had failed to send the money. 
and he confessed in confidence that it is likely he is dead. Bafford, however, took this as an opportunity to avert his advantage because of the trouble, demanded not only the rent and back pay, an additional investment in good faith. Maybe, you figure, he'll pay Bafford a visit tonight. He lives in a part of Old Town dubbed The Den. It's further east than you, but still inside of the old gate, which leads to the newest wards of the city. His manor used to be the old rat house, kind of a place of local governance that overlooks a market square, and as such, this manor stands alone. According to the blueprints, you see there are a number of places of potential entry. The front gate is, of course, patrolled, but there are a number of windows on the second floor, and there's an old well in the back that leads into a waterway that flows underneath. So um, I will take the blueprints out from underneath the rock, but leave the letter. Um, and just fold up the sort of uh, piece of parchment as neatly as I can and just sort of like um, insert it into one of my pockets so that I can have it later. Uh, if I'm going to be paying Bafford a visit tonight, I think that if the right moment comes, then I do want to be ready. I want to bring, yeah, I want to bring the crossbow tonight. Uh, she'll put sort of assemble the pieces, right? Each in their own spot in her little violin wrap, maybe is the best way to describe it. Tie that all up and then sort of tie it and affix it to her back. And on top of that, she will wear a cloak. If someone were to see her as a figure on the street, they would see her clothes, but they would not immediately see if she has something on her. Give me a performance check, but add your proficiency for your disguise kit. Oh, I rolled an actual 20. Nice. As the last fingers of the sun set in the west, your room grows dark, except for the single candle that you've lit. You look in the mirror and the shapelessness of the cloak, this matte black fabric, disappears you into the background. Looking in the mirror, what do you see? No one would describe her as beautiful especially in the traditional sense of the city. But she does have some very strong features. Her eyes are a little bigger than a normal person's. Her cheekbones are like a little sharper. It's a face that if you were to see it, she's not entirely just forgettable. The ways in which she is memorable, maybe people would just describe her as strange. She probably just looks a little strange. Part of it, I think, is that over the years, she sort of like studies her own face. Um, she's like built up this tough persona in her own area to show people that she can take care of them, even though they don't ask exactly how. But also because she's never had any real positive experiences being and seeing people be women uh, in the city. Um, and just like what's going on with Roan, like, I think part of her loves hiding everything else about herself 
because then she doesn't have to be any particular thing at all, but rather uh, just an instrument uh, for what she wants to do. Well, the night is yours. How do I normally get out of my studio? Mm, well, you could take the stairs. <laughs> um, <laughs> there aren't any tenements below you. You would know that taking the stairs would lead you out into a cul-de-sac through the front entrance. But through the post upstairs, you are kind of uh, ahead above the other houses in the alley. It is about a 15-foot drop and about 10 feet of distance to the nearest roof. As I go out to, I want to bring my my hempen rope. I think if it's not too hard for her to fit, maybe as an added layer onto the violin container, because uh, luckily a crossbow is actually not as fragile as a violin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. She's going to bring the tinderbox, the torch, and the water skin. I'm going to slip my little short sword into like a little halter on my calf that goes into the boot. What she is going to do is go up again um, and jump to a roof. You pinch the candle behind you and ghost through your dark apartment and through the trap door in the ceiling. From the safe side of the guard tower wall, you look at the roof 15 feet below. A sharp-pitched terracotta tiled slope straight into the alley between this watchtower and the next house. I've clearly jumped onto this roof before. In the past, when I do that, does it always send some of the terracotta off the roof? So your danger here is that you miss and you fall into the alley below, or you fall too noisily on the roof. Although it is technically nighttime, it is relatively early and the emptiness of the streets is an anomaly of curfew. These humble abodes in Lawrence Hill aren't the most soundproof, and you can even hear raised voices from below. Okay, so my last question is on this house, since it comes to a point, does it have anything that juts out? There's probably an outlet for an internal stove. (laughs) In common parlance, we would call this a chimney, It's relatively squat, maybe just a foot and a half, two feet tall, off the roof. And it is on the left side pitch. It is kind of this stone square with just a flat top. Okay, so then I guess in that case, if I have a grapple, then I'll throw that, like, at the chimney. Give me an athletics check. I rolled an 18 before, so 19. Oh, that's fine. You're able to lob it right down the top of the chimney. Uh, so I feel like all I am trying to do is I get like that little good tension uh, and then I sort of take a few steps back um, and just sort of, uh, you know, uh, I'm not even like calculating any angles in my head because I've done this so many times before and I'm aiming for that spot that has no tiles that I normally can land. Give me an acrobatics check. Okay. It should be up your alley. Um, 11. Oh. You're a little cocky tonight. You take a running jump and your foot plants perfectly on the edge of the watch post and you, like the shadow, billow into the darkness. But you land wrong, hard, and a piece of tile clatters off the roof, crashes down to the bottom. Make a dexterity saving throw. Okay. Ooh, natural one. 
Make it with advantage because you have um, this <laughs> grappling hook. Okay. Uh, Thirteen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like as the tile clatters down, your foot slides with it, and you thump hard into the pitch of the roof, and you start sliding down. And you tip over the edge. You grab tight onto the your the rope with the grappling hook, and you hear the strain. Um, of your weight against the chimney. There's like crack, but for the time being, you are dangling just a foot below the edge of the roof. The the ground below you cast in darkness because it's actually in this alley between two different houses. So there's no like ambient light making it in there. Within, you hear. What was that? Um, and you hear footsteps. Give me a stealth check. Uh, 21. Right next to you, within about a foot, there's this explosion of light that shutters <laughs> open. And what's that? Let's be just crows. So I'm hanging onto the chimney through my rope and grappling hook. Uh, how many feet to the ground? You're about two stories down. She wants to shimmy down more than just uh, put more weight or like put more weight and tension onto the rope. Uh, but it's there in case she falls again. But she's going to try to like, you know, foot on the next windowsill, like brick that's out of place, that kind of thing. Sure. In this case, you don't have any problems. There's a lot of handholds here in this, the sill of this window, light from within, casting sharp relief against your hand briefly as you kind of like grab on. And you kind of shimmy down. You use the rope where there aren't any handholds and you slide down and clop onto the cobble below. Next to you on the ground is this shattered tile. The rope dangles black. You can barely see it against the shadow of the house. So I just want to, you know, I feel like Symphony just wants to like shake her leg out for a second. She's like, oh my God, um, what a terrible way to start the night. She's going to try to do like a little whip with the, uh, with the rope to see if she can get the grappling hook off the chimney. Give or, me an athletics check. Athletics yeah. check, okay. Ooh, uh, unnatural 20. You kind of like whip it and you hear this clunk preceding the, the grapple that will start to fall down. Um, there's a little bit of like stone that kind of tumbles off the roof and falls down next to you. A part of the chimney. Um, that has just kind of like been unset immediately behind, you know, the, the tension of the rope goes away and the, and, and the grapple, which is probably only like the size of a, a fist, really, you're able to just catch it. And just as you do, you start tying the rope, um, yep. no problem. Okay. Um, and as I sort of just like tuck that away, um, I make my way out of the alley and toward, um, toward Bafford. Next time on The Thief. She's counting in her head like 30 full seconds. She's taking her time. Patience is the part that gets her her mark. She wants to know if at any time the servants who are like clearly busy with stuff on the other side have any reason to come this way. And she'll be ready to move if they do. But if after 30 seconds, nobody moves, right? And the guard is just kind of like dilly-dallying around then she's gonna just, with no hesitation, pack off her back, come around assemble the this crossbow. You see the well-lit entrance and the empty guard stations. I'm gonna dash right up to the door 
and take a quick peek around to see if there's anyone right there. There is a, a hall that goes around corresponding underneath the balcony that you were standing on. And there's another set of double doors that are open um, on the other side, opening into the pool. The Thief is an original adventure written and produced by me, Michael Schofield, played by CC Way, with voices by Christian Byrne, Strawberryo, Chris Kroll, and Patrick Terakovich Rakas. The music you heard was by Tabletop Audio and Ivan Dutch, who you can support like I do at patreon.com slash tabletopaudio and patreon.com slash Ivan Dutch, respectively. We couldn't come to you without the support of our feared. Our spear throwers, Laura Spears, Andy Priestner, Joshua Simpson, and Kevin Wilson. Our friends at Wonder Pop, who make unique apparel for the girls, theys, the gays, and the allies. And our free people, Jack Kellum from Gods and Game Masters, Bill Hellman, Vladislav Dembik, and Counterspell Culture. You can join the Feared for free and help me make more stories about the Ianthran and the legacy of Caladuran at patreon.com slash Michael Schofield. I'll see you next time.